0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner
0: is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Welcome back! Another episode of Catch and Shoot. I feel like this one's going to be very all-star heavy. You know, Otto, I wanted to bring you in, kind of in a spoken word melody, kind of like Common did this past uh, Sunday. But (laughs) you know, and you're going to have some fun with this. I had no idea who Common was prior to this weekend, and you can riff on me for that. But man, his introductions, the the song that he put on display was fantastic, man, and I loved every second of it
1: it was it was amazing so how
0: how do you know not know who scott mcknight is well that that that's that's completely (laughs) on me because you, you know i landed last night and i got back in town and you know i asked my girlfriend and i go do you know who common is and she goes yeah he's been around for years haven't you seen the microsoft commercials that he's in now and you know that that's kind of a story for another day but you know everybody i knew knew who common was and so i was probably the only person on this earth who was in that arena on Sunday that had just no idea who he was
1: yeah that that's uh it kind of sucks to be in that in in that position I'm trying to think like who I know I've had those moments and I'm trying to think who like the last one was that was like oh yeah I'm not gonna <laughs> I can't mess up on that uh'm I'm, I'm, I'm stumped right now but I know I know the feeling <laughs> I've been there I feel for you but uh but how was it
0: You know, it it was great. I've been, this so this was the first NBA All-Star weekend that I attended in general. I've been to other All-Star festivities. Like I've been to the Pro Bowl here in Orlando. I've been and covered Major League Baseball's All-Star event. And I will tell you this, Otto, the, the energy and the vibe in that city, one, was outstanding. And you could tell the people of Chicago were just excited to have that event there. But nobody throws a party quite like the NBA does I mean from the Rising Stars game on Friday to the dunk contest on Saturday and the three-point shootout and then just a tremendous all-star game it was like a celebration of the game you know sometimes these all-star events have a tendency to get stale and I'm sure they have over the years for the NBA and there were a lot of factors that made this one good and we can go into those but man from the stars that come out to it the people who attend and just how excited Bulls fans were uh, it made me happy just to be there
1: um, yeah that was cool hey before before we um step off to our, to our first um our first topic i do want to make a mention so you got to see they're not your next kind of in in uh weekend movie just right common queen Latifa. um i'm not gonna say more than that there are a few celebrity cameos <laughs> and and um for, for someone from orlando you're really you're gonna be you're gonna you won't be disappointed.
0: I, promise. I won't be disappointed. Okay,
1: will not okay. be disappointed, and and so that's your homework. I know I'll have my homework, and we'll talk about it on on next, on next week's show.
0: All right, I like this. Otto giving me homework. I'm about this. So Otto, I, I have to ask you this before uh, we go too far into this, because you mentioned, you know, we were texting back and forth yesterday. You've covered seven or eight of these events, and so just baseline, I want to get your overview of what you thought about Sunday night. The way the game played out, the new format, and then we can kind of go from there.
1: So, so yeah, so I'm going to give a little bit of the comparison history. So, in the previous games that I attended, a lot of times the fourth quarter, um, I'm not saying that that guys are necessarily you know getting ready to, to you know check in their watch and, and get ready to head to the airport, but it, you definitely did not have in years past the type of emotional involvement with people kind of on the edge of their seats or standing or cheering or just, it was the best quarter of, I mean, it's without a doubt the best quarter of all-star basketball I've ever seen. And it might actually rank up there as the best quarter of basketball, uh, you know, all-star or not all-star.
0: Was it so on brand Kyle Lowry taking two charges in the fourth quarter? (laughs) Was that the most on-brand thing you saw all weekend?
1: Pretty, pretty, pretty much. And then, and then not getting, and not getting the call on the first one, uh, which was, you know the the one where LeBron kind of you know did a little little side step, but, still yeah, he, uh,
0: but, is but still you had in. him do you had him doing so many Kyle Lowry things. You know like grabbing at people, taking the charges, and then defensively. You know the the thing that I took away from this was the entire fourth quarter there was no clock. You know it was just right. open ball. They were trying to get to a score. And it didn't matter. No, I don't think anybody in that entire arena cared the fact that there was not a ticking clock. It was just kind of the anticipation with each bucket. You knew that Team Giannis had that lead going into the fourth, so they only had to get 24 points. And I think Team LeBron needed something like 34. Yeah, it was 33 points to get to the target score. And so it was like every time Team Giannis scored in the arena, the tension and the anticipation to the end of the basketball game built. And it was just tremendous. You know, I don't know how much it added the fact that they were playing for charities. And then you could also physically see the kids that they were playing for in the stanchions behind the baskets. But that so- added another element to it as well.
1: Exactly. And and one of the things that, that you didn't have in, in, in some of the earlier years, it would, you felt very corporate, you know, just, you know, people would, would applaud if there was a breakaway dunk or, or a 40 foot, you know, shot. But, you know, the kids being kind of front and center and they, they um, I mean, I, I was watching on TV, so I, I would see the crowd, uh, you know, the, the kids with their shirts, uh, the red shirts and the blue shirts and then see uh, or and then hear the, the crowd. So it felt more like. It felt way more exciting um, than than these games have in, have in in previous years. I mean, the only thing to me that was that that I, I wished two two so two things. One, I wish the game didn't end on a free throw, you know. And two, I didn't want the game to end. <laughs> 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 I was like, well, what if there was like a win by three this way, this way, <laughs> it could, get." that's right. You,
0: you start like calculating all the scenarios, kind of like backyard basketball in the back of your head, you know, like win by two it has to end on a three point make or like, exactly. what was the game where you play 21? You have to end exactly on 21. Mm-hmm. And you can't go mm-hmm. over it. Yep. And so, you know, that was the first thing that I thought. And then, you know, when Anthony Davis steps to the free throw line. It was like the entire air was let out of that building because you want right. everybody had their phones up, they were excited about it, and they wanted to get that shot at the game winner. But you know, uh that was the thing I thought about too is I don't know how you craft a scenario where potentially you couldn't have the game in on a free throw, you know, because at the end of the if everybody knows that it can't end on a free throw, you're gonna have guys grabbing at each other at the same time, which makes right. it difficult. Right. Unless you just go Pure blacktop rules, and you let the guys call their own fouls because nobody's <laughs> going to call a foul in that situation.
1: No, no, look, I'm I, I, I'm half joking about the 157 about the, about the free throw. I mean, it, it look, has to end. Uh, I have no problems with it. It was just it, you you could you could imagine what would have happened if you know AD had instead had like dunked over Lowry or something. You could imagine what that would have been like. It just would have been way more. um, you know, emotional, but, but I'm uh, not taking anything away from it. It was, it was light years beyond anything I've seen in previous all-stars.
0: Yeah. It, it was a tremendous fourth quarter. I thought the whole weekend was a success and you, you know, in arena, they had so many different Kobe tributes. It was fantastic. And I thought probably the biggest tribute all weekend was the fact that they named the MVP trophy of that event after him. And my first thought was how does this trophy not have someone that it's already named after, and how perfect was it that we got this new format? Now everyone's going to say that this is tremendous and they should move forward with this in the regular season. But specifically in that event, to have it that competitive in the fourth quarter with that MVP trophy, I thought it honored Kobe and it honored the game so well.
1: It was, it was a perfect tribute. Um, I mean, Jennifer Hudson was amazing. Um, just, just all of the all of the, the the touches, the you know the wearing of the two and the twenty four, and you know, all of the touches throughout the weekend from you know from the couch were were were, were special. And uh, I think the NBA uh, really, when you consider that that uh, it's been you know, less than a month, uh, and, and all star events are, are are not any any major event. These are not easy events to pull off. So you know, major kudos to. Um, to Commissioner Silver and his and his whole team uh, for 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 the tribute there, as well as to the acknowledgements for David Stern. Um, yeah. you know that was a, a lot was 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 done, uh, and uh, and they they pulled it off.
0: Magic Johnson was tremendous. He kind of kicked the entire night off. And, you know, he spoke about David Stern as well as Kobe Bryant and the impact that they had. And, you know, he told a story about that all-star game, that first one in Orlando that he played in, yeah. uh, which if you have not seen it, I recommend going on YouTube and watching it. I thought everything from Magic's speech to Common's performance to Shaka Khan's national anthem were just tremendous and it's worth watching. I've actually been watching it a lot this morning. The only other thing I have on this real quick before we transition and talk about the situation with John Beeline, is is there a situation where, where you could see this moving forward kind of in the regular season, this Elam ending, either if it's gradually put into a tournament like the NBA wants to kind of implement or if maybe we see it in a preseason game next year?
1: I think we'd, start, we'd want to start with a preseason game. I mean, the other concern is that this one worked so well and, it, and for that reason, it became special. And so, you know, one of the things you want to guard against is is having, you know, wanting that thing that is special to always be special. Um, you know, if everybody makes the playoffs, then making the playoffs isn't necessarily special. So, uh, you know, yes, I would want to see it come back for All-Star 2021. I mean, that's, that's already on my calendar. Uh, and, and sure, maybe experiment with some preseason games or, or, you know, or something like that. But I, you know, it's... I think it, change, it definitely changes the dynamic of, of, of how fourth quarters are played. I mean, it, you, I think you'll recall, I don't think there were any substitutions in the quarter. Not saying not no, that, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be in the future. But, um, you know, I mean, one of the things that struck me in the fourth quarter, and I know we're going to wrap this up, but I know one of, the, one of the things was, okay, these guys are normally kind of, you know, it's an exhibition game. Yeah, it's hard
0: to get them to care, and you don't want them to get injured at the same time.
1: Right, they've expended a lot of energy, guys. You know, uh, put put a lot of minutes, a lot of miles, and so you 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 know, kind of like wondering what that's going to, how they're going to feel come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But uh, but it it was a tremendous show, and I certainly would be in favor of of, um, you know repeating the format at All Star 21, and after that,
0: who knows. Yeah, it works perfect in this kind of event, and you want to avoid having ELAM ending fatigue. It's a lot of fun, but at the same time, you know, the NBA does have tradition. They have fourth quarters, you know, they play a traditional-style basketball game, and we don't need to go too crazy in the idea that everything needs to be scrapped because we had one really good game on a Sunday night in Chicago. (sighs) Okay, so while all that was going on, you know, The wild thing about All-Star Weekend is because you do have all these players in one arena in one city, you also have every ounce of national media there, every ounce of international media that was there. And so Woj and Shams were doing their thing. You know, they started reporting that John Beeline has had conversations with the front office with the Cleveland Cavaliers about stepping down and kind of displacing himself from that situation in Cleveland. It's been a rough go. He's had a tough time this year. This personally kind of strikes me as a bit of a shock to have this. You know, he's only halfway through his first NBA season, but it's clear the situation in Cleveland is not working. Otto,
1: they, like th- this, this team was not a, a team that was destined to uh, to you know make the playoffs or anything like that. Um, but I think there were some some choices that were made on 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 the co- on behalf of the coach. Uh, you know, there were th- some things that were said during uh, allegedly said during. Uh, during some practice sessions, and it, it, it seems as though he is um, you know clearly out of step with uh, with his players, and you know when 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 you get to that point, um, whatever you know whatever is said is kind of to an extent irrelevant because if you don't have the locker room as you as you well know, um, that's a that's a real slippery slope with regard to you know your ability to to do what you need to do um, and 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 coach guys especially when the team is that far you know, it's not been a, a great season for them, clearly. Um, and it's just, you know, and, and team is struggling to to just, uh, um, you know, put put meaningful minutes, um, you know, together.
0: Does this make it harder for college coaches to break back into the NBA? Billy Donovan's had success at Oklahoma City, but he's had his struggles as well. And, you know, John Beeline, the thing I keep going back to was 67 years old, been a long time at the collegiate level, and a lot of what, college basketball is is developing players installing the fundamentals and you know you read through some of the stories that were reported by both Woj and Shams and the first thing that they mentioned were players grew tired of long film sessions and emphasis on fundamentals that's all stuff that you have to do at college you know for a college coach that's a hard adjustment from spending that much time at the collegiate level and then being thrust in with professionals who do this on an everyday basis.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to to take your first point, you know, every time there's a college coach or a coach who is more associated with college comes to the NBA and it doesn't work out or it's showing signs of not working out. Everybody gets out the list. It's, you know, Ray Patino, it's Kyle Perry, you know, and, and uh, you know, Tim Floyd. And, and everybody wants to kind of, you know, throw the next guy on that list. But you also have. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned, you know, Scotty Brooks, um, uh, you also have Quinn Snyder,
0: you know, he's, you know, he's Quinn Snyder has been fantastic in Utah.
1: He absolutely has. And so you, you, I don't think you could just necessarily say that it's, that it's, you know, the college coach, you know, syndrome. I think, you know, honestly, it's, it's to some degree, it's the, it's the, the hand that you're dealt, um you know i mean look the Cavs were not going to be good and you know, and maybe there maybe there are some players who are you know feel a certain way about about being you know coached in a, in a style that would be more consistent with college and that's not what they were accustomed to or used to um but i mean you know like there and there's the other the other part where you know the, the uh, a belief that that somebody who's you know an older coach you know can't relate to the players i mean you know, you have you have people, you know, young and old who will say things. I mean, look, Phil Jackson, you know, referred to the Knicks as you know the he used the posse quote. You know, that, that a lot of people bristle to, and rightly so. So, you know, is it? I mean, and, and Phil Jackson obviously is a Hall of Fame coach. So, who? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's hard to say that. You know, that I don't think there are any absolutes with respect to, you know, good team, bad team, or or you know whether someone is um, of that of that player's generation, if you will, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a tangled, messy situation.
0: It, it really is. And the point you made, I thought, was perfect, you know, where you mentioned it's kind of the hand that you're dealt. And for a lot of college coaches who are taking NBA jobs, a lot of times they're taking lower level NBA jobs, which also in return have younger players. And to Colby Altman's credit, who is the general manager for the Cleveland Cav- Cavaliers, you know, they have a lot of young players on their roster like Colin Sexton, and, you know. And so the idea probably to bring in a John Beeline, who is a great educator and a great teacher, was to continue their development. The problem is when you do bring in a college coach, especially an an experienced college coach with no NBA experience, then they don't know the grind that is the NBA season. They don't know how you should handle shoot-arounds, how you should handle practices, how you should handle days off. And so when you're trying to acclimate a, a young college player to the NBA, the grind does become a little bit too much. And so this was just a situation where I think you had a really experienced college coach who was comfortable doing what he was doing, who had an itch to get into the NBA, and it just didn't work. And if the reports are true and he does step down – Then it also gives him time heading into the off season when the next carousel of college coaching jobs opens up and it makes him a frontline candidate for those jobs as well.
1: It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school,
0: new school. All right, Otto, we already talked about the all-star game, which was tremendous and you know, on Saturday night, the NBA puts on, it's kind of a spectacle. It's not only the skills competition, it's a three point competition, but it's what everybody kind of comes to the show to see, which is the dunk contest. This year we got one for the ages. And, you know, I feel like every other year we go through this conversation where it's like, Oh God, the dunk contest is back. You know, it was tremendous this year. This is what we're going to get every single year, but certainly Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones, Jr. Put on a show. But I had a lot of problems with this one. I'll, I'll let you go first, Otto, and then I'll kind of give my takes. It was a lot of fun in a lot of different ways, but we can certainly clean this thing up.
1: So uh, I was a high school kid in the, like the late '80s, and I remember sitting on the sitting on the couch, with the, even the beanbag chair. Yeah, we still had them back then. Um, at least my house did. And so you know, it was it was Jordan, it was Dominique, and it was you know some. I mean, look, spectacular dunks. i'm I'm six, 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 seven, i and I was able to do a two hander one time, but the, but that's it. so I am five
0: five and I do a two hander on a five six goal <laughs> so.
1: Oh, we're going to get tape of that. (laughs) But but yeah, so, you know, to to see kind of the evolution where the dunk contest has has, you know, we had Blake Griffin jumping over cars. We've had, you know, Dwight Howard doing the Superman thing. And it's kind of been and you're right, it's been up and down in in some more recent years. But this was definitely an up year. We had guys doing, you know, you know, through the leg and off, off the backboard and. Um, 360s and those typically those are like three separate dunks but now guys are getting so good they actually can, can put them into one which is which is insane. So I I mean I I thought the the competition was was, was fierce I mean it was it was just those 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 two guys especially Gordon um uh you know, just was phenomenal.
0: Well, one of my biggest disappointments was you, you know from a fun standpoint usually When it comes to the dunk contest, there's some kind of prop that's ridiculous, right? Like you jump over a car, Dwight Howard goes into a phone booth and changes into Superman. Stuff comes out on a hoverboard and he's rotating and Aaron Gordon does a tremendous dunk off that. This year, there was no need for it. But my biggest problem was you had this game. In Chicago, right, which was one of the best dunk contests of all time. And before we we did this show today, I went back and watched the '88 dunk contest between Jordan and Dominique um, Wilkins. And you know, the first thing I thought about was, "Jeez, Wilkins got robbed in that one too." Because I thought Jordan was fantastic in that dunk contest, but the power and kind of the leaping ability that Wilkins had back then was tremendous. But the first thing I noticed was they had seven dudes partaking in that dunk contest. Where this one, you had four guys and they were all established dunkers, but Dwight Howard felt more like a novelty in this competition and you didn't feel like he could win. And then it felt like the redeem tour or kind of like the redemption tour for Aaron Gordon. Well, let's start off with we need more guys who want to compete in this contest because it was clear back in '88, you had guys, especially top level guys, that wanted to be in this event
1: so so a few things one is yes there, there were there were more people uh i thought that the dunks were not as i mean there's been an evolution in the creativity no no doubt but the other thing is when you, when you think back um to what saturday night nba saturday night has, has become the showcase um you didn't have i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't think you had a skills competition i don't think you had that other shooting stars event so you know the the dunk contest. I think it was the dunk contest and the three point shoot shootout. Um, so it, it kind of needed to have you needed to have a larger feel to justify um, the event. Uh, and so and I also don't think you had the concerts the way that you the, the way that you do now. So you don't need to to put as much content into um, you know in, into the night. Now that said, you still de- do need to have guys who want to do it. Um, and, you know, there's been talk about, you know, whether, you know, LeBron should or shouldn't have in years past. I don't think he should now. I mean, that, that window is open and closed. Um, you know, Zion, uh, you know, for, for future years, his, his, you know, his star is obviously still standing, but, um, but yeah, I, I I do think that they should, you know, you would hope that the, the four, or if you want to say five best dunkers in the game, show up and show out. But, um, and I, I, know, I don't have a problem with, with, with the field this year, um, you know, obviously, but, but you do want to make sure that that it becomes in vogue again. And, and it's something that guys feel like they want that trophy on the mantle.
0: So that's actually a really good point And where I was going to go with next. And, you know, we have, The Rising Stars game this year was tremendous. You had Doncic showing out. You had Trey Young having fun. You had Zion there. You had Ja in the game. And you really felt like the the future of the game is in very good hands. And, you know, they're going to take care of the game and kind of moving forward. And then you had this tremendous dunk contest between Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon in the final where you have two dunk offs and they're kind of going back and forth. And then it ends kind of... You know, we spoke about the all-star game ending on kind of like a a deflating note. Well, this one definitely ended on a same note. And so you had two fantastic events that had sour endings and left people wanting and talking about the ending as opposed to the actual event. And, you know, for people who are listening to this, they know that we're talking about the fact that Aaron Gordon's final dunk in which he jumped over a 7-6 taco fall. And I have seen Taco Fall in person because he played down the road at UCF. You know, he came in uh, to the Amway Center and had workouts. This dude is gigantic. And, you know, Aaron spoke about it in his um, press conference after the game. And he goes, you know, you come here to do four dunks and you prepare for four dunks. And then after those four dunks, you're just kind of freestyling. And there was such a cool moment on the court. And I don't know how many people put this together, but Aaron looks at Shaq who is obviously the first all-star center for the Orlando Magic. Shaq then defers to Dwight, who was a monster center for the Magic as well, now also plays for the Lakers. And then Dwight goes, well, go talk to the young fella in Taco Fall. And it was kind of like going from small, medium, large, right? But also Taco (laughs) played down the road at UCF. So you had this tremendous connection from professional basketball players that had a history of Orlando all kind of deferring that moment it was so spontaneous and then to have it in on a note where it seemed like they were just the judges were just trying to get this to a third dunk off didn't feel right and it felt spoiled and now you have a disgruntled dunker in Aaron Gordon who has been adamant you know, the last few years that he wanted to be in this event. He wanted to partake in it. And this was one of his goals as an NBA player. Now you have him saying, I'm done with it. I'm over it. You know, I've been in three dunk contests, two of which I feel like I've gotten robbed. And so the point I'm trying to make is you have one of the best dunkers of all time who will probably have at least three top 10 dunks in the all-star or in the dunk contest moving forward now doesn't want to participate. And so what's the message that sent to younger generations, like the players we saw in the Rising Stars game, about when they eventually enter this contest?
1: Well, you know, hopefully they'll uh, you know, address the judging and, and kind of clean up some things with respect to um, you know, the, the uncertain, cause I, someone who was watching at home, I didn't know, okay, so we're tied and, and so is this going to keep going or is it going to turn into like, and then, it, and at some point it just turned into the MLB all-star game where it ended in a tie and it's okay, that's it. And it just felt kind of, kind of odd. Um, it should have been a little bit more, um, uh, you know, would you lit- have,
0: would you have rather had that event end in a tie? Because I think I would have, and I think everybody would have been happier had they just said, you know what? These two guys were tremendous. They're both getting trophies.
1: I think co-champs would have been would have been the way to go. And you know, one of the things about the dunk contest, as 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 you know, is it's you're always looking for that thing that makes that year unique. And so, what would have been more unique than to have co-champs? I mean, it would, that would have been oh, that yeah, that's the year that that, that, that these, these two guys were were going crazy, trading fifties, and just and just had had co-champions. Um, I understand why they didn't do that in '88 with, <laughs> with with uh, with with uh, Dominique coming into um, to Jordan's house, but um, you know that's another year you could have argued that they could have very easily had co-champs and nobody would have been disappointed.
0: Absolutely. Do you know what I would have loved to have seen? Michael Jordan on the panel of judges.
1: <sighs> how, how
0: appropriate would that have been for that Dunn contest being the first one there since '88.
1: So I remember one year, I think, and I'm going to botch the year something I'm going to say, but I remember one year where Dr. J was was a judge and and he was giving everybody like, sevens (laughs) sevens <laughs>
0: because you know that, when you're that, so when that's you're, another good point there were too many 50s handed out it seemed like every dunk was a 50 you know when i watched the 88 one this morning those guys were harsh man they were giving out like 42s and 43s yeah yeah
1: yeah there were yeah.
0: way too many 50s put out in this
1: one yeah well in, in until until that last round where people started doing the math and they figured okay so if jordan's gonna i'm not saying that there was there was a fix but i'm just saying you know right. what i'm saying
0: Hey, you know what? Jordan won in Chicago. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. Um, Although I I will say this, I'm sure Dominique Wilkins still gets stories about that every time he visits Chicago and he was in attendance on Saturday night. So I'm sure there were a lot of people that reminded him like, Hey, do you remember 1988 when it felt like you got robbed in that dunk contest?
1: Uh, a couple of years ago, I saw him at, at some event or an all-star and, and, and somebody, you know, put a, put a phone in his face and basically said, Hey, talk to me about 88. Talk to me about 88. So yeah, I've, I've seen it and it definitely, definitely still happens.
0: Oh man. Well, do you have any, any closing thoughts on this event before we wrap this up, Otto?
1: Well, uh, look, it, it was, it was a great, it was a great event, great contest. I I agree with you. You know, we'll see one more guy in the field, like a five person field um and also just you know cleaning up the rules a little bit so that it's clear at the outset you know what happens in the event of a tie. Bra. Okay, so we just got done talking about the dunk contest and I wanted to save this one or two extra little gems here for my bra. Um let's talk about the judging for a second. Um the judging felt to me like if this was a boxing match in Russia. It just felt so one-sided um, uh, you know, t- toward, toward, you know, uh, uh, against Aaron Gordon toward the end. Uh, and it, in the, just the inconsistencies, you know, make, make me think like, I think they got to, obviously they got to clean it up, but do it in such a way where, you know, you, you don't have a a guy who's so connected with a city and then the uh, dunker from that city in the same event. So that, that would be one thing to do possibly. Uh, another thing is to give every car, every judge one card that has 11 and they could use it one time. Uh, that would be just just a couple of ideas on how to address the judging.
0: So here's my bruh of the week, of I'm going to play this clip and then we'll talk about it. Here's Aaron Gordon after the dunk contest.
1: Uh, it's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. Um, I feel like I, I should have two trophies. You know what I mean? So it's it's over for that. Uh, my next goal is going to be trying to win a three-point
0: contest. So Aaron Gordon was fantastic in this event. He had five straight perfect scores, and I get that. You were wonderful, and you should have won. And you're, you know, As far as cumulative goes, you have more perfect scores than anybody in the history of the slam dunk competition. You should have a trophy. But my problem with this clip is it's the same problem I've had with Aaron Gordon since he entered the league. I covered this guy for five years, and it's something everybody here always spoke about. Aaron Gordon loves the dunk contest. He is an entertainer, and he is fantastic about it. But where is the drive to want to be a champion? In this moment, I get it. You're heated. You're upset that you lost. But when you say your next goal, your next goal should not be to win a three-point contest on an NBA Saturday night. Your next goal, man, is to go out and win an NBA champion, to be a Defensive Player of the Year award, and to work on your game. It's not to be a star on a Saturday night and take home a meaningless trophy. So, Aaron, I love you. I felt like you were robbed. But in that moment, your answer is, I want to win an NBA championship, not a three-point contest.
1: Hey, Well, Aaron Berlin said it. um, And uh, I have nothing to add there except this. Thanks to everybody for listening to the All-Star edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. Thanks also to our producers, Scott Turkin and Bruce Bernstein, as well as our editor, Van Wolfen.
0: Uh, this has been a fun show. You know, we should do something like this every week. By the way, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday. Buckets, boards, and blocks. With Monica McNutt drops each Thursday. And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman is every Friday. And as always, Otto and myself are back on Wednesdays with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Just a reminder, rate, subscribe, share it with all your friends. If you're on Twitter, you know, pass us around and make sure you follow at Pure Hoops Media. We'd appreciate it. We're back next week, guys.
1: Catch and Shoot is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.